Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Nithi Ganesan from Argus Global, uh, based out of the Singapore office. And for today's session, I'm very happy to be joined by our colleagues from Waystone. And uh, we would like to give you a brief introduction to Waystone and um, our colleagues uh, based in the different jurisdictions and our capabilities um, in the various jurisdictions that we're based. A quick background uh, before I passed on to, pass on to Connie. Waystone is a leading provider of institutional governance, risk and compliance services to the asset management industry. Waystone assists in supporting asset managers with end-to-end -end solution, which includes fund setups, corporate governance, fund structures, providing regulatory support for fund managers, and providing fund platform solutions as well. We have altogether nine offices uh, in different locations, such as Cayman Island, US, UK, Ireland, and Switzerland. Uh, we are currently representing clients with assets under service exceeding $80 billion. Um, I would like to introduce everyone to Connie Wong, our Executive Director based in Singapore from Waystone Group, to introduce herself and the rest of the Waystone panel members present here today. Over to you, Connie. Thank you, Nisi, and thanks again to all of you who are attending this webinar. My name is Connie Wong. I am the Executive Director at Waystone based in Singapore. So I also have my colleagues Don and Parikh joining me on this session. Don is our Managing Director, Global Head of Regulatory Advisory based in the Cayman Islands. Don has over 20 years of financial service experience and has been heavily involved in helping Asia-based managers to launch Cayman funds and advise related regulatory compliance matters. Parikh is our executive director based in our London office. He has extensive experience working with managers who look to market European products. So like what Missy mentioned today, we want to give you an overview of Waystone and how we support asset managers in launching investment funds across Cayman, Europe, and Singapore. Cayman Islands is one of the popular jurisdictions among certain type of investors and, and sponsors for a number of reasons. So Don, perhaps we can invite you to give us an overview of the fund regimes in Cayman and what are the requirements to launch Cayman funds. Uh, thank you, Connie. And thanks everyone for joining this webinar. Uh, I think the, the, the key distinction, which is between the first two pieces of legislation that are mentioned on the slide, uh, the question is whether it's an open-ended fund, which means there are redemption rights, or closed-ended with no redemption rights. So the Mutual Funds Act is for hedge funds. Uh, unfortunately, it uses the same term uh, that you use in the US for retail funds, but uh, in Cayman, mutual funds simply means hedge fund. Uh, and basically, uh, all hedge funds pretty much get registered under the Mutual Funds Act. Uh, the Private Funds Act is uh, for closed-end or funds with no redemption rights. And so this includes not just private equity, but also venture capital, uh, real estate, uh, certain uh, funds in the credit space like direct lending. They may also not have redemption rights. And uh, pretty much all funds of this type also need to be registered. Uh, the other key piece of legislation that's noted here is the Director's Registration and Licensing Act. And uh, basically, if you wish to be a director of a hedge fund, you must first register under this act. So if you've never launched a fund before, 
and you will be on the board along with perhaps independent directors from Waystone. Uh, you will need to register uh, with the help of your advisors under uh, this piece of legislation, uh, the Directors Registration and Licensing Act. Uh, you will have to pay an annual fee and also you will need uh, to deregister if at some point uh, you wish to completely uh, stop acting as a director of Cayman registered funds. Uh, so for any fund, uh, you, you need to get registered. And perhaps we could uh, go to the next slide. So there are a number of uh, different vehicles uh, and uh, some of them are more heavily used than others. An exempted company is, is simply a corporate vehicle uh, which is intended for international business and this includes a fund business. A segregated portfolio company is a specific type of exempted company uh, which has uh, different segregated portfolios uh, in different jurisdictions. Uh, they use other terms like compartment or cell. And what this means is that each segregated portfolio, uh, the assets and liabilities are protected from each other. So this means you can effectively have two funds, uh, each in a segregated portfolio of the same segregated portfolio company, uh, but their assets and liabilities are kept separate uh, legally. This does mean that you have to be careful when you're setting up your counterparty relationships, uh, but that's the general approach. The limited liability company or LLC is similar to the US Delaware LLC. And in fact, the Cayman legislation uh, was based on the model of the Delaware LLC. And this combines uh, some aspects of corporate vehicles and uh, limited partnerships. Uh, so for example, uh, if you had a general partner which is going to be owned by different senior people uh, involved in an investment manager uh, or advisor, uh, this would allow you to incorporate elements of a shareholder agreement. Uh, the exempted limited partnership is, is against simply a form of limited partnership uh, where you have a general partner, which may be a, a company or a LLC, uh, and, the, and that acts as a general partner of the limited partnership. Uh, this is much more popular in the private equity space, for example, uh, and you'll see that being probably the most common structure uh, for that type of fund. Uh, unit trust. Uh, is simply a trust structure which is designed to uh, have multiple owners which can uh, redeem uh, and subscribe. Uh, and this is, we find, uh, most popular with managers that are based uh, in Japan uh, because uh, it has some uh, benefits uh, for the Japanese investors uh, and is used from time to time in other contexts. But really, uh, the exempted company and the exempted limited partnership are the two most popular structures. Uh, if we could go on. So uh, here we have uh, quite a few things and I'll hopefully uh, cover them pretty quickly. Uh, for a Cayman fund, you need at least two directors. There's no specific residency requirement, uh, but many people find it beneficial to have a professional director uh, who's quite knowledgeable about you know, the matters that I will uh, cover in the rest of the slide, uh, as well as just being more generally familiar with the environment in Cayman with respect to regulation uh, and the role of directors. Uh, one of the very important issues is that uh, if you have a fund which registers with SEMA, you will definitely need to comply with the anti-money laundering regulations, which means either a fund administrator or someone else who's knowledgeable will have to make sure as the AML delegate that all of the KYC and due diligence are being. These requirements also mean that you must have AML officers, AML compliance officer, money laundering reporting officer, and deputy money laundering reporting officer. 
those last two receive suspicious activity reports and uh, onward transmit them uh, to the Financial Reporting Authority, which is the Financial Intelligence Unit in the Cayman Islands, uh, if that is deemed appropriate. Uh, FATCA and CRS, uh, again, you will have to deal with those. And if you have reportable accounts, there'll be annual reporting. Uh, this process is normally handled, again, by a fund administrator. Uh, and if there is none, uh, they will keep the records, but then you will need uh, someone likely to oversee that process and actually make the reports. And for both the AML officer and the uh, oversight and filing of FATCA and CRS reports, uh, Waystone can assist. SEMA uh, registration, I mentioned that earlier, uh, most, if, if not all, hedge funds uh, and private equity funds, venture capital funds, they're very narrow uh, exemption. So you will almost certainly have to register with the Cayman Islands Monetary Authority. And what this means is that you will have ongoing requirements. Uh, one of the other bullet points in the slide mentions the audited financial statements and the fund annual return. Uh, the first of those is pretty simple, but the second one means that certain statistical information about your fund will be reported uh, to the regulator. And in particular, for the private funds, you will have to file what's called a declaration of compliance uh, coming from the directors or the general partner, uh, which says that you are specifically compliant with certain sections that have to do with investor protection within the Private Funds Act. And we can certainly assist you with understanding uh, what those issues are. Uh, for economic substance, uh, this is basically uh, related to tax avoidance rules uh, globally, but the particular implementation in Cayman uh, has to do uh, primarily in our business uh, with discretionary investment management. So if you're, in, if you're an entity in Cayman that's engaged in certain activity, such as discretionary fund management, uh, and you are earning money through Cayman, uh, you'll have to do a notification and certain annual filings uh, with the relevant information. Uh, beneficial ownership is just simply a specific requirement that you uh, file correct information with the authorities uh, through your corporate service provider that confirms uh, who owns certain companies uh, or that you're exempt. And funds, because uh, they typically have investors coming in and out, uh, they're actually exempt. And so if you're registered with SEMA, uh, you don't have to file the details of, of your shareholders. Uh, but if you have a, like a standalone holding company, uh, you, you will likely have to make that type of filing uh, for that company. If we could go on. Uh, so I'll hand it over to my uh, colleague, Porik, uh, and uh, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Don. Um, so Don has built on uh, what governance means in the Cayman Islands. In Europe, we essentially provide uh, a governance framework against the backdrop of AIFMD and the usage regimes which essentially mean um, alternative and mutual funds in Europe. Due to an increase in non-EU managers uh, looking to access European investors, we've developed a significant uh, client base providing solutions to managers seeking to access European capital. Waystone in Europe is uh, the coming together of three large governance firms in DMS, Montlake and MDO. Each firm bringing, I suppose, a different specialism in asset, asset classes, but also investor bases. So as our role of management company, we will work with the manager uh, in partnership to construct your usage or internal alternative investment fund in either Ireland or Luxembourg. This can look like a standalone uh, fund where we set up a, a trust, a corporate or a partnership uh, structure for you. 
Um, or you may choose to come on to one of our multi-manager umbrellas, which are approved by multiple allocators and investors already. Um, as a result of recent growth over the last few years in our business, and um, we now have 100 billion in AUM uh, across Europe, roughly split evenly between Ireland and Luxembourg. As a result of this expertise, we can advise you on the compatibility of your investment strategy and the setup structure that will work best for you. And we can set up using our objective opinions and links with service providers, the best uh, fund structure for you and indeed that will work for your investors. Um, the role of the management company or the ASIN in a regulatory context essentially means the supervision of delegates. So it's our role to oversee the administrator, the custodians, the investment managers and distributors and, and all of the ongoing internal and external audits that are provided and keep in touch with the service providers on quarterly and annually basis um, to ensure that the fund is uh, in compliance with the Central Bank of Ireland requirements or the CSSF in Luxembourg um, to allow you to register and distribute your fund across the European Union. There is no requirement for um, non-EU-based managers to have boots on the ground to manage the fund. We can simply appoint your Singaporean entity or whichever entity it may be as a delegate, i.e. the portfolio manager, and we then will look after the rest of the regulatory framework. I suppose, leaving aside the Irish and Luxembourg framework, there's some other businesses that may come up um, uh, across our European suite, how we how we be able to assist. So in the UK, where I'm currently sat, in our London office, we operate as an ACD. That's essentially like a management company for distribution to retail investors based in the United Kingdom. We can also provide some distribution support services where you're setting up or distributing to various EU countries. You might need to provide investor information documents um, and certain registrations with, uh, with local regulated regulators. On, I suppose, non-fund related products, we have quite a significant structured finance division um, where we work on a number of ABS type deals, uh, structured finance operations where there could be allocations into aircraft or other real assets um, where we will essentially do the similar to what, we would do, what Don has described in Cayman, we'll provide the directorships but we can also do some, some corporate administration books and records of the underlying SPVs. And then I suppose when deciding if you're going to seek in investors in Europe, Switzerland tends to be the first domicile where uh, non-EU-based managers go. So we have the capability to act as a Swiss representative and um, using our um, office just outside of Geneva, um, where we can register your non-EU or EU funds uh, for distribution into Switzerland. And this tends to be predominantly Cayman funds that are registered in Switzerland as a first foray into EU distribution. Um, and yes, of course, anytime um, a query pops up on EU investors, just pick up the phone to, I suppose, your usual Argus or Waystone contact and we'll be able to, uh, to point you in the right direction. Uh, Nidhi? Thank you. Thank you, Parik. Um, so very quickly, I'll, I'll touch a little bit on the VCC structure here in Singapore. 
Um, Argus here, we primarily assist the fund managers uh, to assist in terms of um, getting the appropriate license or registration here in Singapore um, and the ongoing compliance uh, work that is needed uh, once the fund manager is regulated. Uh, we also assist in terms of ensuring that if you do register a VCC and if you're offering the VCC uh, to a wide uh, public here in, in Singapore to accredited institutional investors, there is a requirement to register the VCC under CISNET here, and that's something that we assist. Um, from time to time, we also get involved in assisting uh, clients to coordinate the project in terms of setting up the VCC um, and, and making sure that appropriate tax advice, a legal opinion is, is looped into in terms of the entire structure of uh, setting up the VCC. Just very briefly, uh, Singapore is uh, a, looking to be a fund domicile hub in this part of the world. Um, I would say that you know uh, it, it's probably trying to be the Cayman equivalent in this part of the world. Um, Singapore already currently has existing fund structures here, such as the limited partnership, um, unit trust, business trust, and company. Uh, structure limited by shares. Uh, however, the current structures, uh, or rather the, the previous structures that were here, uh, were limited in nature. Uh, for example, there were restrictions in terms of the return of capital to shareholders. Um, register of shareholders is open to public, and dividends were only payable out of profit. So with these restrictions in mind, Singapore government um, has introduced the variable capital company uh, which in, in a lot of ways provides uh, flexibility and economic of skills in terms of the service providers that it can use. Um, VCC is uh, flexible in the sense that it can be set up as a standalone fund or an umbrella fund with uh, various sub-funds that you can set up underneath the, the umbrella structure. VCC can be used uh, for both retail and non-retail funds. Uh, and also another beauty of the VCC is that it can be used uh, for both open-ended and closed-ended funds, such as uh, the alternative, alternative funds under, under the PEVC um, strategies. Um, there are lots of uh, potential cost efficiencies, as I mentioned earlier, because you can use the same set of service providers. Um, at the uh, at the umbrella level, um, there's also um, investor confidentiality because the register is not uh, shared publicly. Um, there is also the uh, additional tax benefits that a VCC can uh, can take part in. Uh, we have the various. Uh, tax treaty available as well as uh, tax exemptions here if you were to set up the fund vehicle and the uh, fund management entity here in Singapore. Um, so we have kind of stated here in the um, in this slide uh, what are some of the other benefits uh, you know uh, that I've also gone through. Um, what are some of the key requirements in terms of setting up the VCC? Uh, the first thing that we probably have to keep in mind is that if you do intend to set up and manage a VCC, you would have to be um, a regulated fund manager here in Singapore. 
Um, so that would be the first step in order to manage AVCC. Um, and then once you're regulated, you can then uh, look into setting up the vehicle in terms of you know, deciding if you're going to have a umbrella structure or a standalone VCC. In a lot of uh, cases, you can also use the VCC in collaboration or in, in, in partnership with other type of structures wherein uh, master feeder structures can also feed into the VCC or vice versa. Um, and what we also see is that um, the decision to set up a BCC uh, is often driven by institutional investors um, or uh, not just institutional, you know, most investors, if they want to, um, you know, uh, have an option in terms of where they would like their money to be placed. Um, uh, and Singapore becomes one of the options uh, that they would prefer. Um, what are some of the requirements uh, for VCC uh, besides having a, a, a regulator fund manager here in Singapore? You need to have at least um, one resident director and another director from the fund management entity so that same one director uh, can fulfill both requirements. Um, you have to ensure that you appoint a Singapore-based company secretary and a registered office. Um, you have to be subject to audit by a Singapore-based auditor and financial statements have to meet um, international standards. Uh, for non-retail VCC, um, as I mentioned, there is a requirement to make sure that at least one of the director is also um, uh, from the fund management side of it. Um, if you're looking to uh, market the VCC to investors, um, in Singapore, as I mentioned, if it's accredited institutional investors, then there is the requirement to ensure that the VCC is registered under CISNET here in Singapore. Um, if you're going to market the funds to retail investors, then you would have to uh, register them under the recognized um, uh, uh, authorized uh, Singapore scheme. And uh, the other important point to note is that VCC must appoint an eligible financial institution to conduct necessary AML checks. Um, so another interesting element here is that VCC is uh, regulated by the Accounting and uh, Corporate Regulatory Authority, which is called ACRA. Um, so any registration of the VCC is done through ACRA. At the same time, VCC is also regulated by the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, uh, in relation to AML KYC uh, checks and, and, and uh, requirements. Um, so what the, the MAS permits the VCC to do is to basically appoint an eligible financial institution uh, to conduct the necessary AML checks on its behalf. And most of the time, this eligible financial institution tends to be a uh, uh, tends to be the financial fund manager, and uh, this fund manager here in Singapore, more often than not, tends to appoint an outsourced service provider to assist in the uh, KYC and AML. Uh, checks of the investors. Responsibility of uh, doing the AML checks and the responsibility of AML KYC still remains with the VCC. Uh, however, um, as what I mentioned, you can um, outsource elements of this VCC to a third-party service provider. Um, next slide, please. Yeah, so I've gone through these requirements. So, um, very happy to uh, take any questions uh, via email after this session. 
um, and, and address any other concerns that you may have or get to know more about the variable capital company uh, setup and the requirements here. Or if you have any questions uh, in terms of setting up the fund structures in any other jurisdiction. Um, and, you know, I would like to thank our panel members here today as well for joining us and uh, giving us insightful information on the various jurisdictions. So thank you, everybody.